Hello, everyone. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and are looking forward to a Happy New Year. This is Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock. Along with Kyle Davis, we will get you tuned up here for game number three of the regular season for the Toronto Rock coming up this Saturday night. It was a bye week for the Rock as everybody was off for the Christmas break. The team was back practicing on Wednesday night and will practice again on Friday night in preparation for Saturday night's big showdown with the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, KD, how uh, how are things going? How was your Christmas break? Good. It was good. Santa's always good. So uh, good to you know get a little time off and step away. But uh, happy to be back and get ramped up for a big game this weekend. Yeah, it seems like the Christmas break is uh, never quite long enough. But uh, at the same time, we're dealing with a short week here, getting ready for the game on Saturday night. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting just to see uh, how both teams come out, I think, after the break, although Buffalo did, of course, play on Saturday night. So uh, we're going to kind of take you through quite a few things here in the opening segment. Obviously, we don't have a game to talk about um, involving The Rock from last week, but uh, you know we do have some games to talk about from around the league because there have been a lot of very interesting results here through the uh, first couple of games. So... Um, Pardon me. First thing I want to do, jump into, though, is about the trade involving the Toronto Rock from last week that we did jump into on the show uh, last week. Of course, the, the big trade that sent Stephen LeBlanc to the New England Black Wolves in exchange for Sheldon Burns. Some draft picks flipped in there as well. But, um, you know, we look, look back, and I think there's been a lot of discussion um, amongst fans and whatnot on social media about uh, perhaps the value of a defender and how you kind of sort that all out in the big picture when you know you are trading away an offensive player who produces points but at the same time um, you know who who is going to be the the guy to step up and, and replace those points maybe but then also how do you weigh that against acquiring a defender if that makes sense and all that uh, you know maybe your thoughts on just how things balance out there on the the front to the back for sure I I personally think and you know said on this show in, in previous years or previous shows sorry that uh, defense does win championships and uh, I know it is tough on paper to to show that or break that down but you're not necessarily losing 50 points or 60 points or whatever that number is either because someone is going to step up for instance you know just throwing a lefty out here Kieran McCardle is going to slide in perhaps I don't know but you know, he, he's not going to be held pointless. He's going to get points to replace the points that, you know, said LeBlanc would get, as well as I think we tighten up our defense by throwing Sheldon Burns in there. Um, it is tough to compare, I know, from, from a fan's perspective, um, you know, on paper or looking at numbers, but a lot of times what defenders do uh, is not really, you know, loose balls is a stat and whatnot, but a lot of things they do good, um, isn't really noticed on the score sheet per se, and uh, you know that maybe makes it tough for for the average fan or general person to to pick up on you know how much value he does bring to the team in certain areas. But I mean, I still said you know look say what I said last week there. I think it's a, it's a good trade for the Rock, and it does address a need um, from what we've seen kind of early in their season. Uh, you know, defense defensive depth and uh, transition. So. Still going to go on that angle, but it is yes. I, I can see how it is tough for the for the fan, but uh, I think got to let this play out. I think Sheldon's going to become a you know a fan favorite pretty quick here once he gets into the lineup and shows what what he can do. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it it is a bit of a different situation where you make a big trade, then you've got that bye week in there to almost uh, things maybe over percolate sometimes with fans. And uh, if there is somebody that's uh, frustrated out there by the trade, you know this obviously wasn't a very easy trade to make uh, by any means when you trade a veteran guy like Steph LeBlanc but uh, you know I think there's the, the trust in, in management and leadership here that uh, they've made the right move and we hope it begins to pay off as early as this Saturday when the Rock take on the Bandits so um, <clears throat> to jump into some of the results around the league uh, from the weekend uh, we'll start with what was a pretty wild game with Colorado and Georgia Colorado uh, coming back to beat Georgia 14-11, um, Colorado was down 10-8 at home at the Pepsi Center, their home opener. Then they rattle off six straight goals and end up going on to the 14-11 the win. A um, couple of shorthanded goals by Colorado in the mix there, one into an empty net. But, um, you know, this Colorado team out of the gate, 2-0, Georgia 0-2, kind of 
uh, I feel like a bit surprising on both ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, no doubt. I I mean, you, th- you think defending champs, you look at the roster, you know, they have coming in on paper there. And uh, did, did, didn't expect this one. I didn't see this one coming. Um, and even Colorado, we talked about it here, you know, a couple key losses on the back end. Uh, Coates, uh, just to name one there, but didn't necessarily know what they were about. You know, they make the big trade with uh, for Banesh and how he was going to slide into that offense, and and it's paid off well for them early. You know, D Ward in net, he's you know as solid as as they come, and he solidifies that area. So if the rest can can kind of bring it together, you know, he's solid back there. It uh, it comes together nicely. But uh, if I recall last year too, Saskatchewan started 0 and 2, and you know there was all this what's wrong with Saskatchewan, and they ended up just fine getting back to the the finals themselves. So still lots uh, lots of time left and lots of lacrosse to be played here for Georgia's sake, and I definitely not counting them out by any means yet. And I think also when you do think about it, I mean, so much of this game is chemistry and the right mix and and people functioning as a group um it's not always just about what's on paper because i mean you know toronto rock fans i think we can all uh speak as one here and that on paper you know the first two games i think everybody would say this team should have scored more goals they didn't right and then you look at a team like colorado and again on paper like you're saying you subtract two of their best defend defenders and they still end up having enough on the back end, goaltending, game plan, preparation, all that kind of stuff to shut down an offense that, or limit them enough to win. You don't want to say shut down. They still scored 11 goals. But um, to limit uh, a team that just is coming off a championship and a season in which they set a record for most goals scored in a season. So um, it isn't always as easy as what it uh, seems, I guess, or as as simple as just what's on paper. So, um, you know, something I think for all rock fans and, uh, you know, lacrosse fans in general to keep in mind. Uh, we'll move on to the Rochester-Buffalo game. Uh, I think this was the absolute shocker of the weekend to me. Um, you know, the Colorado win over Georgia, shocking to some degree, but not to the similar level of this one because – we saw Buffalo um, play a pretty good game against the Rock on the opening week of the season, and thought, you know, well, this Buffalo team could like let's let's see what they're made of here and see if they can get on a roll. And unfortunately, everything kind of went the other way for them. A 21 to 11 loss to the Rochester Nighthawks, who seemed to be scoring a ton of goals. Um, Alex Bouquet, who was sensational in the Bandits' win over the Rock to start the season, ends up giving up. Uh, 20 of the 21 goals in this game and uh you know he played all but 31 seconds david deruccio came in let in one goal on one shot and exited the game he's now on the injured reserve list and they've signed zach higgins um again we go to shocker level here and i think it's pretty high that you know rochester was able to outdistance the bandits by 10 goals especially seeing what we saw in week one from the bandits yeah, for sure. I uh, I didn't see that one coming. That's a that's a big rivalry there themselves. Uh, a couple things to to stick out or that stick out for me. You mentioned, you know, it's not all about on paper, and sometimes it's just got to come together and and the gelling and and all that good stuff. Uh, looks like you throw Cody Jamison back in that offense, and they've been just firing on all, all cylinders. You see, vitarelli has been getting. Uh, you know, on the score sheet a little bit more on the left side with Jameson back there, and it also opens up what looks like more more room for Dan Dawson to uh, to do his craft as he's off to a hot start as well. And last year, you know, I, I don't remember him putting up these numbers in a particular game, um, you know, maybe one, a couple one-offs, but he looks to be rolling again, and, and you wonder how much just throwing in, you know, 88, that helps kind of mesh everything together. But... Uh, Curious to see about Buffalo because uh, I think we've mentioned they're kind of offense by committee, really. You know, you got Dane, you got Crawford, but even though they beat uh, us, Toronto, you know, a couple weeks back, their their offense still hasn't shot the lights out yet, really. You know, you take away um, empty netter against us there, and they put up 11 this week. So I'll be curious to see, you know, how they come, come out to play this Saturday. And as well, is that... A one-off for Book, or was that uh, you know just a tough night? Let's move on. Or what? What's going to happen next game? You know, if if it starts happening two, three games in a row here, maybe the the home opener for Buffalo was a bit of a one-off. So I'll be curious to track that and see how that plays out as well. And you mentioned that number, like eleven goals. So all three teams that lost their games uh, last weekend all scored eleven goals. 
But then, you know, it, it just kind of triggered that in my mind when you were talking about Buffalo scoring only 11. And then, you know, they scored 13 against the Rock, but two of those were empty netters. So it's, you know, the, the perception of 11 goals in a win and the perception of 11 goals in a loss can be so different you know and uh it's it's something fascinating i think sometimes about this game is you know how how 10 11 12 goals against looks you know or goals for looks depending on whether or not it's a win or a loss because then we get to saskatchewan and new england and the rush just go off 24 to 11 over New England, who was uh, short-staffed in, in some respects, but did have the boost of having Stephen LeBlanc in the lineup uh, for the first time since the trade. So a goal and three assists for him in his Black Wolves debut, but slightly upstaged by uh, Mark Matthews. Six goal, seven assists, 13-point performance in uh, the Rush's 24-11 to win. And you have to start to think, I've been – just kind of saying, you know, the rush are starting to already remind me of a Golden State Warriors type, you know, dominance uh, that they could, in in fact, end up having over the league this year. And I, I don't know who who stops them. Like if they if they start, you know, getting on a run here or continue this little run and stay as focused as it appears that they are here out of the gate, uh, who gets in their way? I, I mean, I know we're only two games into the season and. And I feel like every year we go through a week-to-week thing where, you know, you, you, it's it's almost what have you done for me lately a lot of times where, you know, Saskatchewan now could go lay an egg in their next game and you start to think, oh, well, maybe not. But after two games, you have to think these guys are, I think like you've kind of said when we've talked off air, it's kind of Saskatchewan and everybody else right now. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh, yeah, you almost wonder if, you know, the result of last year kind of re refueled these guys a little bit. I mean, the core of them or majority of them, you know, go back to back there. And, uh, you know, they still had a great season last year. It just didn't pay off. But uh, you wonder if that little bit, you know, made them really, really reconsider reconsider coming in this year with a with a purpose. And, you know, they make the trade that everyone, even even ourselves, kind of questioned a little bit. And it feels like they – I know they feel in Saskatchewan – I mean that solidified their goaltending issue, and I know we've talked off air as well. It's kind of the the irony of you know the 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 throwback on the trade, and then Aaron Bold comes in with New England for their home opener and gets torched, and uh, you know Kirk is solid at the other end, and it kind of just from a Saskatchewan fan perspective is like, okay, I can see that there yeah. now. Like, thank you, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they are rolling and. I mean, I'll, I'll take the odds and say they still don't run the table. It's just that's the odds. Uh, I think, you know, they, there's going to be a down game, and it's just so tough in, in this league with the parity. But, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Saskatchewan right now, and they, they're looking good. And, I mean, they're, they're the early favorite, I guess you could say, but we're only two weeks in, and that's why you play the games. Yeah, I, I mean, just drawing back to the game against The Rock, uh, a few weeks ago you look at, uh, you know, how well Kirk played, like you mentioned, um, and just defensively how they were – you know, the sticks in the lanes, knocking down passes, um, getting in the way of shots, you know, just limiting an offense's opportunities despite the fact that in some cases, you know, you think you're getting a pretty decent look or making a good pass and suddenly they've got a stick there that's knocking it down. And um, the other thing I found that Saskatchewan is doing that seems to remind me a little bit more of of during their couple of championship seasons and even um, before they won their first championship was – it seemed like at times it was like they would just turn it on and it would almost be like, you know, no one's going to stop us. You know, we've been kind of toying with everybody. And I felt like that was kind of the way it was on Saturday night because, they, you know, game's tied 3-3 and they go on a 10-goal run. 10-goal run that stretches, you know, in the second quarter into the third quarter. You know, they they chase Aaron Bold like we're talking about. He plays 34 and a half minutes. Let's him 14 goals. There's the guy you just traded one for one. That's been the goalie from your, you know, your championship years, <clears throat> and I'm sure it had a lot of fans in Saskatchewan say, "Well, wait a second, like we've won a championship and got to the finals, you know, three years, three straight trips to a, a final, and two titles in there, and we're moving out our starting goalie." Like I'm sure there was a lot of people that were like, "Well, wait a sec, what's going on here?" But then, boom, like it couldn't have gone any better for Derek Keenan to say, "Yep, made another home run trade." You know, because this guy has been 
Barry Bonds, you know, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth all mixed in together. It seems every trade he has made over the last few years has been an absolute home run. I mean, even even when you think, you know, moving out uh, Corey Small for a couple of first-round picks, still got a first-round. Ended up with a first-overall pick. Again, you go back to even the trade he made to get the number-one pick to, to take Mark Matthews way back. It just seems like he is on an unbelievable run of making – ultra impactful trades for that team for sure and and from i mean we're don't want this to come out in the wrong context we're really happy with adam jones but you know we shipped a couple picks over to him for for jones and you know we i'll be curious to track and see what those turn into because uh you know it's just as a fan and just like following kind of the trade tree but uh a couple more i guess bullets in the chamber for him there in the saskatchewan rush and uh you know, from all indications, we we were questioning how Shatler going to slide in there. From all indications, that's worked out nicely right now. And you know, Keenan another year on that left side. Uh, you almost wonder if it's on the left side, particularly like we know it's Mark Matthews' side, and and everyone else can slide in accordingly. Yep. Where maybe last year, Jones would well, he wants the ball too, right? Like, and maybe it just wasn't as clear, and that the roles weren't as defined over there, and. Because you look at like, Mark Matthews is torching the league right now to yeah. put, a, put up more points than New England had goals yep. single-handedly, <laughs> right? Uh, um, yep. And then, you know, the, the right side's no slouch either. Then uh, They're scary. They're scary. And, you know, the, some of the best defenders in the league, you mentioned, you know, like Dilks, uh, Rubish, Corbeil, they're all in that conversation every year. And, yeah, they're definitely scary. And I'll be curious to, to track, but definitely fun to watch. And, uh, you know, high-flying, that, that crowd out there has got to be excited about another good season here for them. Absolutely. All right, well, we'll take a short break here uh, on the program. And in studio with us today, we are going to have uh, rock forward Kieran McCardle, who we know now is going to draw into the lineup this weekend with the departure of Steph LeBlanc via trade. He's going to slide in there on the left side. So we'll talk to him a little bit about uh, how things have gone for him uh, so far this season, just in terms of watching from afar and how excited he is to get in the lineup this weekend. And then also uh, Jamie Dowick, president, owner, GM. Uh, he will also stop by to chat uh, a little bit more about the trade a week later and just how things are shaking out in terms of the roster as it looks like there are uh, some guys ready to come back from injury and also perhaps some guys uh, shuffling around on the roster here with some of the recent uh, transactions and developments. So we'll get to all that and more coming up here on Toronto Rock Total Access. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We are now joined in studio by Toronto Rock forward Kieran McCardle. Kieran, first time on the podcast with us. Yeah, this is uh, obviously a big honor for you. Yeah, thanks for having <laughs> me, guys. I'm excited. Um, so, uh, so far this season, you haven't drawn into the lineup yet, but uh, as we understand, you'll be uh, making your season debut on Saturday night against the Bandits. Uh, first of all, just uh, – Maybe talk about I, – I kind of hate to throw this cliche out a bit because a lot of times I think when, when guys have been out of the lineup for a while, you always say, you know, oh, well, what have you learned from watching above? And a lot of times I think people just kind of humor you with, uh, oh, yeah, it was great to watch from above. Meanwhile, it's it's literally killing you not, <laughs> not being out there. But I kind of thought maybe it is a little bit more relevant with you just ha- not having as much exposure to the box game. Um, as some of the other guys who may find themselves in that situation over the years. So I will ask you straight up, uh, you know, what, what did you learn watching from above maybe in the first two games this season? Um, you know, I think for me it's, it's you know, watching the movement of the left side. Um, you know, I tried to just focus in on, on uh, Steph, actually, who we just traded away. But he's, uh, he's like a coach out there on the field. So watching the way he moves off ball and even when he has the ball on his stick, um, is something that I want to um, better my game in. So a little bit of off-ball movement, when to cut, when to move, set picks, things like that. So I tried to focus in on, on a few of the left-side players and try to uh, take a few things from them. So what did you notice? Uh, the other new guy, obviously, on that left side, uh, Adam Jones, who you've had a chance to work with through uh, exhibition training camp and practices here. But what did you notice about his game uh, watching from above? He could shoot the ball. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> every time he, he gets the ball, I'm, I'm trying to just watch the way he moves the goalie because um, he, he does that real well. 
I think he gets the goalie to shift and then hits his spot. So, um, you know, just watching his shooting technique and shooting form is, is the main thing that I'm picking up from Adam. Now you've, uh, you know, the much talked about transition from field to box, uh, you know, you and Tom, you know, it may be linked together forever now <laughs> as the two guys uh, from the States who've made the transition and been quite successful at it. Um, but from year one to year two and, and going back and looking at that first season, what were the key things that you thought about your game that you were going to have to improve this year to, you know, continue to grow your game at the, you know, on the indoor level? Uh, I mean, definitely finishing the ball. You know, that's uh, probably the hardest part of the game. Even even when you have a one-on-one or an open shot, it's it's not a, you know, solidified goal. You kind of not like the outdoor game where if you get a one-on-one you better finish that go <laughs> that ball but um you know kind of s- still just moving the goalie and hitting my spots you know i think uh shooting around shooting around a lot of defenders is is difficult too so just different l- release points and and moving that goalie mike mentioned you know the transition from the field to the box game and just overall from when you first came down here to training camp last year to to where we are today uh, if you could just like have you enjoyed it like how's that whole experience been it's you know a whole new transition for you and just learning the box and just everything about it if you could just speak on that. yeah i mean toronto rocks a great organization so I, they've made the transition very well not very easy because it's hard to transition but as easy as it could have been you know they've Jamie's been great to us, you know, with getting us up here, and and then the coaches have been great with, you know, acclimating us to the to the game. So, um, I think we were put in a real good situation last year with a few injuries and a few openings in the lineup to, um, you know, really get our get our you know, our game under, you know. So like picking it up was a little bit easier because we were able to get some game experience with a few guys injured. So. Um, just going through that process was real cool, but um, overall, I mean, it has helped with my outdoor game as well, you know, just handling the ball in tight spaces and moving off ball and, you know, just just finding guys all throughout the field. So I think just making that transition and keeping the stick in my hand pretty much year-round is, is real nice. And back home, do you notice, uh, is there a little bit more buzz around the, the, the field game, I guess, in, the, in where you're located? Are people kind of tracking what's going on up north here a bit with yourself, Tom, and, and whatnot? And, uh, you know, what's that vibe like back there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, within my friend group, it, it's definitely, you know, being attracted. Um, a lot of my friends don't have any clue, and, and they're a lot more interested. But I think um, the indoor game in the States is just growing a, a lot like when I was growing up we played we played indoor but we had a six by six goal and a normal goalie in net and now these kids are being brought up playing actual box lacrosse in the states which is real cool to see and uh, I think it's just going to be great for both leagues moving forward and one last question if uh, you know uh, last year I'm not sure if you know how much you got involved in it in the field game if any at all I, I'd highly doubt but uh, I noticed you, you kind of came up with or the team came up with the nickname the enforcer there <laughs> after a situation that maybe transpired it just you know it was that your first fight in lacrosse and like you know how, how do you think you did and it, is that something we're gonna see more of Karen <laughs> uh probably not see something more of my girlfriend wasn't too happy with that one <laughs> um it kind of just happened you know the the guy asked me if I wanted to go and I was, was like sure if you want and then you know he dropped the glove so I had to drop mine too um but I think it went pretty well for my first one, you know. Uh, it was it was my first one overall. I mean, outdoor you can't you can't fight, so <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing. Now, actually, kind of speaking of all that, um, you know, before you before you got to the NLL last year and before you started playing, uh, you know, in the league, did you have any kind of preconceived notions about what you know? box lacrosse was were there any stereotypes maybe amongst you know you're talking about your friend group and that kind of thing were there some things where you're like oh that league's a little bit of this or a little bit of that and and was any of that kind of dispelled when you got here um no i wouldn't really say there was any stereotypes um you know i kind of thought it was just more of like only inside handling and finishing but um as i learned you know there's kind of there is kind of inside and outside guys kind of how the field game is you know in a different aspect um you know obviously everyone's in tight but 
I, I play a little bit more on the outside where, you know, guys like uh, Casey Burns last year and Dan Lindner are more known for the inside roles. Um, but that was something that I learned um, pretty quickly. But there was no uh, preconceived anything. No. So, no. <laughs> now, when you talk about the physical side of it, um, you know, you had the, the early season dust up and then, um, you know, probably the more legitimate squared off fight in the playoffs. Um, you know, is that something that just as the season went on, um, it was, you know, the physical side of the game, maybe more so than actually fighting. But is that something you started to kind of embrace a little bit more as the season went on as you got comfortable last year? Yeah, I mean, I think in the beginning I was kind of like, why is this guy cross-checking me when, <laughs> when I don't even have the ball or yeah. I'm nowhere near the ball? Um, so, yeah, I mean, Blainer just tells me to keep moving my feet, um, yeah. you know, so you're not just getting into a cross-checking battling match in the middle of the floor. Um, and, you know, just keeping your guy occupied moving through. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something I got used to as, as the uh, year went on. So coming up uh, this Saturday night, obviously a, a huge game that, uh, you know, I know we've been talking about around here that even though it's a regular season game, it's already kind of starting to almost feel like a playoff game because you got the season series on the line against the Bandits uh, already here in December. Um, but just your thoughts on this game coming up and, and kind of what you saw in game one that – uh, against the Bandits that probably has to get better here on Saturday night to get a win? Uh, I think for sure our transition, you know, getting on and off the floor um, is going to be huge. I know last year transition was a big part of our game. So, um, you know, getting a, a few easy ones in transition will be huge. And then as well, um, the off offense getting off the floor and, and stopping their transition, you know, in that first game. Um, I felt they got a good amount of goals off a of transition and that that could swing the game a lot. So, you know, this is a must win tomorrow, uh, Saturday night. So we're going to come out there from the get-go, ready to go. All right, Kieran. Well, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this again this year. All right. Appreciate you having me. All right. That was Toronto Rock forward Kieran McArdle joining us here, and we will take a short break on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with the boss after this. And the cat with the bass and drum, going around like bum, bum, bum. What's grooving? I'm moving. I like your style. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, Kyle Davis, uh, along for the ride as well as always. And now we welcome in studio the owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock, Jamie Dowick. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, so a week has passed now uh, since the big trade. Um, love to jump into some further analysis, I guess, on this. And uh, just, you know... Stepping back from it, I guess, even even a little bit more a week later, how are you kind of, you know, feeling about the trade and, and kind of what the uh, the long-term upside is here for the team? Well, I mean, not a whole lot's changed, to be honest with you. I mean, um, you know, thought, you, you think a lot about it, especially over, over the time of the year it was and Christmas and all that and Steph not being here and all that. But, you know, you got to move on and Steph's already played a game for New England there and and we had our uh, uh, our first get-together there last night since uh, we made the trade. So, uh, you know, we're not looking back. We're looking forward and, uh, you know, real happy to get Sheldon in here last night to meet the guys and uh, look pretty good out there and I was excited with that. Now, just generally speaking about the start here in the league, um, you know, some teams that are 2-0, and some teams that are 0-2, and, and uh, you know, obviously some 1-1s. What, what's your general thought on, on just the first few weeks of the season here and that it probably, I think going into the, into the season, most people probably wouldn't have scripted everything, not only here what's, you know, maybe gone on with The Rock, but just in general with the league that uh, things have been kind of a little bit wild, tons of goals. Little while, tons of goals. Um, I can tell you one thing that stayed consistent is uh, the Saskatchewan rush, pretty darn good, <laughs> uh, and maybe better than the two almost three-time champion that they are. Um, hey, listen, it's early. I mean, you know, and and that's that's actually kind of the message to our team. Like, it's early. There's plenty of season ahead of us. You know, yeah, the reality is you just don't want to dig yourself into too deep of a hole where you put yourself in a position where you got to start winning, like, you know, a lot of games in a row. Um, you know, some surprises, this and that. Everything will – the dust will settle. I don't think uh, – I don't think, we're, you know, where you see all the teams right now in uh, 
Shanny's power rankings are, are necessarily <laughs> where they're going. <laughs> and I love Shanny. Shout out. Yeah, give you a shout out, Shanny. I love his power rankings, but I'm just saying, I you know, like we we've got a real um, we've got a real s- small sample size here, um, whether it be good or bad. And uh, you know, I know the teams like ourselves that are 0-2 are, are saying that, and you know, but at the same time, I'm I'm sure. You know, Rochester's telling their guys, okay, we're not going to score 20 every week and hold a team to, you know, under 10 and, and win by 10 every night. So it, it's a little bit of both. Let's, let's, now the, the holidays are by us. Um, everyone, I think, has played two games. Um, you know, we're coming back rejuvenated here and uh, it's time to put the nose down and, and get into the season here. You mentioned the you come back rejuvenated. Could you you could see that last night at the the run the boys had a, a good sense of purpose going into you know what what kind of classified as a must win going into the weekend Saturday versus Buffalo. That was good. I mean, it, it's not like it's been we, we've worked hard here at practices and all this, but yeah, I did. You know, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure the boys have all had a few days to think about the trade over the holidays, and, and, and I'm sure that gave them some things to think about for sure and, and just lots lots to think about and, and think about the start that we've gotten off to and, and what's ahead of us here and what we need to do. So I think it looks like everyone came back focused, a little refreshed, and, and we had a good-spirited uh, practice last night, and hopefully that will carry over to Saturday night. And do we have an update on Challen, last year's second overall pick for this weekend's game? Yes, Challen will be uh, being activated this week, and we will uh, see him uh, back in the lineup on Saturday night, which is, uh, you know, exciting. Yeah, and I think it's it's almost, uh, you know, we've we've kind of talked about, you know, Challen targeting December 30th as his return for, you know, it seems like a couple months here. We've always kind of looked at that game, but, you know, you're you're adding a guy like Sheldon Burns in geared towards improving the transition game and giving things a bit of a different wrinkle. But, you know, Challenge coming off of shoulder surgery, and we, we joked with him that he has been a great player at all levels here, essentially with one shoulder over the last five or six years plus of his lacrosse career. And now he's completely healthy, ready to go. I mean, that might actually be the most exciting thing going into Saturday night is what is this guy who was second overall pick, now that he's completely healthy, what is he really going to be capable of here? And what's he going to add to the transition game? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, both those guys, not necessarily just the transition game, our, our defense in general. I mean, you know, I know we always talk about Sheldon and his transition game, and Sheldon's a pretty good defender as well. And and I always preach that transition comes off good defense. And, and, and so, um, yeah, listen, Chow's second year in the league. I, I think he's a hugely underrated player. I've been around him now for a fair bit of time through some summer ball and obviously last season with Toronto. Um He's awesome, and and he just needs to continue to to grow and develop. And you're right; he has been a dominant player at every level. And he's he's big, he's strong, great teammate. Um, I, I spent a lot of time with Chow. You know, I know he's chomping and ready to go, and he feels really good and has for a while. It's you know just following doctors' procedures and stuff like that. And and uh, you know, I know he's been working real hard in the gym and and. You know, he's told me he feels better than he ever has. Like he, so he's ready to go. And um, you know, Chow won't try and put the weight on his shoulders. But you know, you're right. Adding Challen Rogers and and Sheldon Burns to our lineup this weekend, I think you know, will will help out our back end and you know, beef up the bottom end of it, but also help out those guys. You know, that we count on week in and week out at the top. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you talk about challenge, I mean, we've seen here, uh, you know, in the office, the amount of uh, amount of work that he oh, is. Oh, what's uh, going on? I don't know. we got some phone alarms going <laughs> Fire on Fire <here>. alarm. <laughs> uh, we've seen firsthand the amount of work and the amount of time that he's put in around the track, uh, you know, rehabbing and getting back. But um, to shift gears a little bit, stay on the defensive side of things. Uh, goaltending, obviously, last game. Uh, Nick Rose and Brandon Miller both saw action. Any uh, inkling as to um, who the coach is going to go with here on Saturday? Or uh... you know, it's funny you asked me that. I was, as you're asking me that question, <laughs> I start to think that's honestly the first time I've thought about that right now. Yeah, like 
the reality is I have both confidence in both guys. Um, I haven't asked Matty who he's starting. So, um, and he's got a choice. I, I don't know which way he's going to go. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm not concerned about it because I believe whichever guy's in there is going to get the job done and, and we're going to get this thing turned around. So, um you know, I'm kind of out in the blue on that one too right now. Maybe I'll well, call. Maybe I'll call him after the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it was a, an interesting situation in the game against Saskatchewan. I think we may have even talked about it the last time you were on, and that when the goaltending change happened, it just seemed to be maybe not necessarily that Rosie wasn't playing well, but it just seemed to be that you know that, that's the card a lot of times the coach plays when you want to shift momentum right and there was a couple of goals that you know it's okay let's you know here's a change i can make and b came in and played pretty, quite well for you know the first few minutes and then you know things kind of came off the rails a little bit there but um you know yeah, he's guess, got he's got a good he's got a decision i mean yeah. listen rosie be the first one to tell you he hasn't played up to um you know what he believes he should be playing like through the first two games so if you look at it from that standpoint um you know he's had two shots at it and really hasn't got it done yet whether it you know ultimately the stats and, and all that fall on him whether it's his fault or not but you know ultimately hasn't got it done B's had a much more limited opportunity so far came in and yeah was was real good kind of off the start there but you know same sort of thing um you know and then we started giving up some goals so um like i said they're both you know you could make a case for either one really to be honest with you um you know i probably will call him after and ask him who who (laughs) we are starting but uh, like i said i I honestly i goaltending those guys will be fine um like you know i know neither one of them has probably done what they wanted to so far but that's one thing i'm not worried about right now Okay, Jamie. Well, uh, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us here in studio today, and uh, we're all counting down the moments here to Saturday night. Yeah, looking forward to getting our first one of the season and uh, finish 2017 off the right way and and jump into 2018. All right, that was Jamie Dowick, the owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and we will wrap things up in a moment. It is the home stretch of Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis uh, here to tee up Saturday night's big matchup against the Buffalo Bandits. An East Division matchup, a regular season game in the month of December that definitely has all the feelings of a playoff matchup here with the season series on the line already. And game number three overall of the season, KD. And I, I mean... You know, you always get excited about playing the Bandits. Uh, you know, it still kind of feels like we are very much at the start of the season, even though we are a good three weeks into things here. But, um, you know, I mean, what more can you ask for really on Saturday night with this game? Yeah, I'm expecting uh, expecting it to be a beauty here with, uh, you know, Buffalo coming in, which I think should be eager after getting, uh, you know, shellacked, I guess, for, for a lack of a better term there last weekend in rochester and you got a you got a very eager team here in toronto that's uh you know looking to pick up their first win so you get these two teams clashing uh it doesn't matter what time of year it's it's going to be a good one and i can't wait to get down there saturday so the buffalo bandits are coming off a, a pretty tough loss at the hands of the rochester nighthawks last week and interesting in that game i mean buffalo outshot rochester 66 to 50 but you know Gave up a few more goals. <laughs> Did they ever? Um, you know, some of their guys, Mitch Jones, he still went off for three and two. Kind of what you're uh, probably hoping for on most nights from Mitch Jones. Dane Smith um, only had four points, I believe, in that game, but, uh, you know, 11 points after two games with seven of those coming against the Rock in the season opener. And one guy I kind of want to talk a little bit about here to, to keep your eye on is a guy who played for the Rock for a little bit in, in Craig Englund. And I always thought watching him in junior, he was always kind of the guy that was a little bit of a catalyst in changing momentum in a game. And I thought he did that a lot in junior. And I remember when he came to the Rock, it just maybe wasn't the right time or place for him to maybe play that role with this team. But 
I feel like he seems to have found quite a nice little fit with the Buffalo Bandits right now. And and he did score a goal in the season opener against the Rock, and I felt like it was one of those goals where it was like, number one, a guy that you, you don't want to give up a goal to kind of early. Um, he works real hard for everything he gets. And he can be a guy that can swing momentum at different times of the game, and he's not shy about getting involved physically. And I think he is one guy, personally that I feel anyways, that The Rock may have to try to limit his impact, as odd as that sounds with all the other you know, big names uh, in this game on both sides of the ball. But I feel like Craig Englund's one of those guys that for whatever reason can be a catalyst to change in momentum in a game. Absolutely, yeah. Uh- Lived with Craig England actually during the <laughs> university days. He can change a lot of things. Yeah. But uh, right. no, I know I agree. You know he he's not shy to get into it, and he might not change the game by going you know four and four or putting up massive offensive points. But he's in there. He, hard work and plays seem to to get the team get a team going a bit. Uh, or you know he comes in. He's not afraid to when he's out there yapping and in there banging around. And if he drops the mitts or if he's scoring a goal or two here or there, that's when he's at his best. And I think it's a you know you mentioned a perfect fit for him. That's to me kind of summarizes kind of in a way what Bandit Land is as well. That kind of player you know put the put the shovel to the ground and, and get after it and. Uh, he got hurt actually in the the home opener though i know uh you know i think he had an alter uh, run in with slade um from our team there and uh, kind of limited his play later on but uh he's a guy that to what i agree on that right side he's opening up space and he's in there crashing bang and he's making things happen and that's when he's at his best and kind of that uh that unsung hero in a way I, i believe last year he was awarded buffalo's you know that their award they have that fan player vote of the year or, or whatever that award is called yep. down there and and i'm 99 sure that was craig england so you know they like what he brings down there yeah and he's got a great gold song they play stone cold's uh entrance music oh, when he's scores large <laughs> large wrestling fan <laughs> yeah so <laughs> it's uh it's pretty good down there when he scores a goal uh goaltending situation we've we've touched on it a little bit uh, on the rock side, obviously, in the previous segment, and a little bit on the bandit side in the opening uh, of the show. But Alex Bouquet, uh, you know, from all accounts, expected to get to start the start for the bandits on Saturday. Dave DeRuscio on the IR after playing just uh, 31 seconds on Saturday night against uh, the Rochester Nighthawks. But uh, Zach Higgins, guy who uh, just seems to always be the one that everybody uh, knocks on his door when they. Uh, when they need a little help, but for whatever reason, uh, after being a starter in this league just a few years ago, it doesn't seem to be able to, to find any regular work. But he's a guy that will be uh, likely on the bench. But as I've been throwing around here, I'm not going to be shocked in the least if Bandits coach Troy Cordingly goes to Higgins in the net. And I know that that seems completely off the wall, but when you look at what Higgins did when he was called in to uh, – you know, emergency duty with the Calgary Roughnecks last year to start off the season. Played real well for them. And, you know, he's got a proven history of, of being a goaltender in this league and a guy who, you know, maybe can come in and give you one. Maybe that's what they look for after, you know, uh, Alex Bouquet really struggled in, uh, in the loss against Rochester. But, I mean, as much as I do say that, there's about 97% of me that thinks, you know, Bouquet gets a start. But there is just that small little bit that Higgins gets in, uh, that Higgins gets to start, which I know sounds nuts. I know. Everybody relax. I know it sounds nuts. But um, worst case scenario, maybe there's a short leash there. um, And I think Higgins gets in. Maybe that's not the worst case scenario. Maybe maybe that's the best case scenario because that means Bouquet's probably struggled out of the gate. But, uh, you know, your thoughts on the the goaltending matchup? I... I find it just speaking of Higgins, like you know, we talk about a guy, he's he can never stay in the league it seems, but he's always not everyone's number one call. Uh, but he's never good enough to stick on a roster for whatever reason. Um, and I, I don't know. I you know, would you put him in? So you look at some teams practice roster goalies. I think he could be there for sure. It's just uh, I guess it's the fit, not the right time. But uh, I do think we see Higgins 
Saturday, and for the for the delight of the Rock fans, that's because I think we're going to see both goalies because uh, the offense wakes up a bit here. And you know, you mentioned last time it's kind of the card the coach has to play to kind of change momentum, and and uh, it's kind of sitting in his back pocket. So I don't know if that's going to be just for you know a quick a quick shift to give Book a, a break and he'll be back in, or he's getting torched and you know Zach's going to go in and kind of try and research a game or refine the game for them there. But I think we do see both goalies, and, and that reasoning ties into, like we've talked about and noticed last year, every time we played Buffalo, it was DeRuccio Cosmo. We'd see them both. And I just have that feeling about this game and, and this goaltending tandem uh, in particular going into Saturday. All right, well, let's uh, jump into our uh, buying and selling segment. We've got three items up on the agenda here. First of all, we'll start off. Uh, KD, are you buying or selling the Mammoth of Colorado's 2-0 start? I am buying the start. And, uh, I mean, eat my words from at the start, uh, the, the predictions or and what we're going over this. But, uh, you know, starting the back end with D Ward, like I mentioned, he's, you know, just as solid as anyone. And you mentioned, you know, just the chemistry and what goes into coaching and preparation and whatnot. And it looks like everyone's buying in. Uh, you know, to what they're doing down there. And it's almost, you don't want to say they're working working harder, but you lose a couple key cogs on the defensive end and, and everyone kind of comes together and they, it's just by association things get done. And, uh, you know, Banesh is off to to a great start down there as well, seems to be fitting in. So I'm buying the, uh, the start that they've put together uh, thus far. And at the other end of the spectrum, are you buying or selling the Georgia Swarm at 0-2? Is this the year they're... Uh are they maybe taking a step back here? I'm uh, I'm going to sell the Georgia Swarm start. I, I think there's still lots of lacrosse to be played. They have a lot of firepower. You mentioned earlier in the show, you know, they set offensive records last year. Uh, I mean, maybe not the cream of the crop like Saskatchewan is right now, but I think they they get it sorted out. And as Jamie said, you know, the dust will settle here eventually. And I, I think you'll start to see them climb up the uh, the rankings a little bit here. And finally, on the buying and selling list here, um, again, something we've teased a little bit on the show here, but we're going to call it the jammer effect. Cody Jamison back in Rochester in that offense, uh, blowing up here early on in the season, and it's helped Dan Dawson. He's got 15 points in two games. You know, do the quick math at home, kids. That's 7.5 points a game. And last season, he put up 54 points in 15 games, which is just 3.6 points per game. So... Are you buying that uh, it's it's the jammer effect that has gotten Rochester off to this start? I am buying it's the jammer effect, uh, among a couple other things. First of all, like speaking of Jamison there, I think sliding him into the lineup also just slides everyone down accordingly to, to the proper position. You have no one having to play out of their role or trying to over-accommodate a certain area of the, of the offense or their particular game. and. I think you know it's helped Dan Dawson, and I think you know Vitarelli's seen some of that, and even. But I also think it's done. You know, Kyle Jackson's in his second year now. Uh, a couple other, they, they they made the decision to go younger last year, and I think you know there was some learning pains through that. And uh, this year, you know, everyone's just another year in the league, another year more comfortable, and uh, that combined with the the jammer effect, we will say, is has got uh, Rochester off to a great start. Now, I will say this though, I don't think. They're as good as 20 goals per game, but I don't think they're as bad as, you know, Dan Dawson's averaging three goals per game or three points per game last year. They're probably somewhere in the middle when, when it all said and done. Uh, but uh, right now, that's, that's, a, that's good enough for them, and they're rolling. All right, so there you go. Buying and selling over and done with for another week as we get ready for The Rock and the Bandits this Saturday night at Air Canada Centre. 7 o'clock start. Party like it's 1999. KD, that means there must be a extra special ticket package available. There is, and it will still be available when you uh, you hear this tomorrow to all the fans. It's uh, $49.99. You get uh, a great lower bowl seat. A great Toronto Rock uh, vintage hat. I've mentioned on this show. I can't speak more, any more highly of this hat than I do. I wear it all the time. And um, for those beer drinkers out there, you can get a nice draft beer to watch the game with as well. So forty nine ninety nine for that. As well, we still are hanging on to the holidays here. We do have the holiday pack available. Uh, six end tickets used in any combination to at least two or more games. You get still two beautiful Toronto Rock uh, long sleeves 
t-shirts to go with that as well so still uh, still some great opportunities to get into the building saturday at a very affordable price you can either do that by our our website www.torontorock.com or 416-596-3075 and we'll be able to get you all set up and uh, like Katie has mentioned, always uh, lots of different ways to get in the building. Uh, so the four-play pack on sale, the uh, six-ticket flex, pro-rated season tickets are still available as well. So lots of different options. Uh, anything to kind of fit your, uh, your budget and uh, commitment level, I guess we'll say as well. All kinds of stuff. So torontorock.com slash tickets, you can find all that information. And, uh, you know... We're uh, expecting a, a lively crowd on Saturday night uh, for the for the Rock and the Bandits, and something that uh, it's just always fun playing the Bandits. It's one of those things. Anytime there's a rivalry, I think in any uh, sport, and uh, a lot of those rivalries are always uh, kind of bred out of uh, playoff matchups, but also I think uh, closeness and proximity, and uh, you know pretty well all the guys being quite familiar with each other. Uh, you know you've got a, a former coach of the Rock on one side of the equation as well, and um, just uh, just a great uh, overall rivalry. So we are looking forward to that. Uh, anything else you want to throw out there this week, Katie? You got a prediction? Oh, good call, good call. Um, Man, you know what? I I know we threw this out about you know a couple hours ago while we were doing our deep pre-show prep. <laughs> See, I got mine, but <laughs> it involved the, cheese and pepperoni. The but la- the last uh, couple weeks there, I think I might have sewered you a little earlier. We were a yeah. little too close, so I'll let you have the reins here. For I'll this one. I'll go first, I guess. And uh, it's so weird. I don't know. Like, it's got to be time for the offense to go off, but I've kind of predicted that that would be the case every week so far so I don't know where to I really honestly truly still even as I'm trying to talk through this and figure out what my numbers are here I guess I'll go Toronto 16 Buffalo I feel like maybe I'm more struggling with the Buffalo side of it and what they're going to get is this going to be I think 16-11 but I feel like Buffalo's getting a couple of those goals in garbage time late when the game is out of reach. Okay, I was going to go 14-10. Similar to your uh, idea, though, I do think a couple are coming late because I remember one game at the Air Canada Centre last year. It felt like we were up by a lot in the fourth quarter, and I kind of put myself on cruise control. Like this, yeah. was, and then I looked up, and it was like they're kind of hanging around in here. They got, yeah. you know, got a couple quick ones, so I think that's uh, you know fourteen ten Toronto up by a lot. Buffalo closes it uh, down the stretch. Interesting. I, as much as you know, this one you got to be in the building Saturday night. I think that's what we get down to here. Is uh, there's no excuse for you not to be down there if you're a lacrosse fan. This is a great matchup and a huge game for the Rock. And, uh, you know, there were uh, two words down on the uh, the whiteboard downstairs in the Rock dressing room here at the track, and they were all business. And I think that's what the Rock are going to be here on Saturday night. And, um, you know, looking forward to a great one, looking forward to the fans being fired up and good crowd in attendance and uh, a great matchup and hopefully a big Toronto Rock win. So that will about wrap things up here for Toronto Rock Total Access, week, the access this week. I'll get her out here. But uh, don't forget to follow us uh, across all our social media channels and uh, fire away if you've got any suggestions, comments, feedback, or otherwise on the show. uh, You know how to get a hold of us uh, wherever we are. All right, so we will see everybody Saturday night. But in the meantime and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access. It's in the bag. We'll chat soon.